The following program deals with a controversial subject. The theories expressed are not the only possible interpretation. Viewers are invited to make a judgment based on all available information. This is your captain speaking. We are beginning our descent into madness. sound of that you know that it is sunday night and that means it's time for west of the rockies right here on the independent fm thank you guys for tuning in we really appreciate it i'm joined by genevieve genevieve how you doing i'm doing all right thank you doing all right how are you you're, you're munching on something i am i'm trying not to that's like... really bad mic etiquette no no i wasn't near the mic at the time mm-hmm. we'll see <laughs> We'll see if we catch you slipping. Uh, I want to say hi to everybody that's joining us in the chat room tonight. Thank you for uh, for tuning in. Uh, cheers, folks. I know I got got one of these uh, adult beverage, so cheers to everybody. <laughs> cheers, cheers, all around. Cheers, cheers to you. I'll cheers my snack to you. And tonight was the Grammys, or is the Grammys? I don't know if they're going is on or not. Oh, yeah, but the people are going to be really happy to hear that we have a really interesting guest tonight. Uh, this uh, this interview is made possible by our good friend Ron Patton of Paranoia Magazine. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Ron. He's actually going to be joining us in the uh, in the second hour, uh, if I'm not mistaken. He's he's catching up on The Walking Dead, apparently. Mm-hmm. So he basically said, Frank, I love your show, but I want to. <laughs> but not I gotta that watch, much. Yeah, I got to watch <laughs> The Walking Dead first before uh, uh, before anything. So uh, <laughs> he said that as soon as it's over, he'll call in. Um, so we look forward to to having Ron on the line as well. But, uh, as I said, we have a really cool guest tonight, a gentleman by the name of James Wright. Now, James has a very, very um, uh, interesting background, to say the least. Uh, He is uh, a former 32nd degree Mason. Um, We talk about Masonry quite a bit on, on this show. And, uh, and, you know, obviously the 32nd degree, it's, it's, one of the highest, if not the highest degree within, uh, 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 I believe, is the Scottish Rite. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to ask him in a minute, because I think the York Rite has something like 33. Like I, a think, 30, I think so, yeah. Right? So uh, let me see if we, if we have him on the line. Uh, James, can you hear me okay? I can. Can you hear me okay? Uh, you sound loud and clear, loud and clear. Thank you for uh, joining us tonight. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to be with us. Thank you. Likewise, thank you for having me. Now, why don't you tell us? A li- I was in the middle of doing an intro, but uh, I I feel like I I I should let you kind of tell us a little bit about yourself because you, as I said, it's it's a very interesting background. You you know you have some some very interesting uh, ties to some historical families. So I just want to, uh, in your own words, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, good God. <laughs> well, um, okay. Let's see. I'm from a very, very aristocratic family in Texas, in Dallas, and uh, they had ties into all of those environments, so I grew up kind of in this otherworldly life, I guess, and, you know, honestly, I didn't really even think that much about it Mm -hmm. until I was an adult, because it's the norm, you know, and um, so, yeah, that's those elements of bloodlines and every male in the family from grandfather back was a master mason or higher and and all those ties and uh yeah it's it's stooped in it 
Now, uh, I was under the impression that um, it took, you know, a long time to kind of scale all these degrees within masonry. And you are a former 32nd degree uh, Freemason. How, and I mean, you're, you're a, a young guy, right? You're 32 if, uh, uh, going by the information on your website. How did yes. you manage to get to the 32nd degree in, in such a short amount of time? Well, I suppose you could say that I um, did it very dedicatedly, and um, I really gave it all I had. And the Blue Lodge is what takes the primary amount of time, because when you go in and you get initiated as an entered apprentice, that's when you really have to learn the bulk of it, and it takes it's really arduous and daunting, and it takes forever. And then there's, of course, the fellow craft and the master mason after that, but you already kind of know the language, so mm -hmm. to speak, and so it's a little bit easier. But once you have that master mason, then you're eligible to go on to the York Rite, the Scottish Rite, and now the Shrine, um, which it didn't used to be. It used to have to be York and Scottish before you could go Shrine, but that's, that's how. Um, most guys, I would say it takes, uh, I don't know, two to three to four years to get through a Blue Lodge. For me, it took about two Wow. And what are some of the things that you are expected to do in order to ascend uh, degrees? Uh, you know, we, uh, at least in my case, you know, I've read a few books on Freemasonry, and, and the one that comes to mind is the one by uh, William Schnobelin, if I'm saying his name correctly, which was uh, Freemasonry Beyond the Light. And in it, he talks about this very intric intricate um, uh, rituals and things and, 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 and things that, that the, uh, the, the candidates have to memorize to you know to kind of go up into you know the higher degrees is, is that the kind of thing that, that you guys have to do yeah that's pretty uh, on target I would say it's um, very detailed very military precision ritual work footwork etc et choreography whatever you want to call it um, and is what yeah the they they say in Freemasonry that nothing is ever written down that's correct mm -hmm. it's all oral tradition so you have to learn it uh, mouth to ear as they say and that's how it's done now um, and I'm gonna open the floor for questions in the chat room or people that have questions they can tweet us as well but I know that there's a a question already from one of our uh, regular listeners and friends of this show uh, tattoo guy who uh, is actually a Freemason himself uh, and I think he's uh, he's not that uh, uh, I guess he recently joined the, the, yeah, the right from and uh, he was asking, uh, in uh, where am I? I just lost it. Where, uh, uh, where in Texas are you uh, from? Oh. North Dallas. North Dallas. Okay. Just yeah, I, I saw somebody in the chat say that uh, they're not hearing a, an accent. That's because I've been living in L.A. Yeah, you're but based out of if, LA, if you want right. me to talk in my my Texas accent, I can do that. <laughs> That's pretty cool, being yeah. able to <laughs> right, switch between, between the two. Um, now, one of the, one of the things, obviously, uh, there's a lot of mystery surrounding Freemasonry, and you know, sure. there's a lot of uh, you know, almost like folklore uh, tales. Uh, what can you tell me about, about Freemasonry? I mean, uh, I remember, again, reading uh, various books on Freemasonry. That's something um, uh, like uh, uh, after the seventh degree uh, is when, you know, uh, Freemasons are kind of introduced to, the, to some, you know, darker themes within the Brotherhood. Uh, is there is, is it as nefarious as, I guess, uh, some people uh, believe it is? 
I mean, I suppose you could say that um, after you take the what you're hearing is the number seven. If you went and you took the additional seven degrees of the York right, mm -hmm. then that would kind of open that gateway. That is true. Just like going and doing the uh, fourth through twenty uh, fourth through thirty second degrees at the Scottish right will do the same thing. But right now. In Freemasonry, there's a culture that has arisen where the York Rite is becoming increasingly less and less important mm -hmm. and being kind of systematically, purposely bankrupted. And uh, the Scottish Rite is, is what has the emphasis on it now. That's where all the power players are. Oh, wow. Uh, speaking of power players, um, we know that something like half of U.S. presidents have been members of the, of the Brotherhood of uh, Freemasons. And and, we, are, and are related, <laughs> and, correct? Um, and and you know some people, you know, when when this topic comes up, and and I find myself talking to people, a lot of a lot of people's reaction is like, well, what's what's so wrong about that? Why should we be concerned that you know we have uh, you know these major players belonging to a, a secret brotherhood? Um, uh, how would you answer to someone with that question? Well, I, I suppose I should start by giving the disclaimer that I always do. I've always maintained, since I came out publicly against them, that mm -hmm. the vast sweeping majority of Freemasons in this world are actually, believe it or not, really great guys. And they right. have no idea what goes on late at night behind closed doors specifically to do with that Supreme Council of the Scottish Rite, which is the management apparatus of the whole entire thing globally, right, mm -hmm. based out of D.C., and a lot of them, it's been my observation, even presently, a lot of them are simply unwilling to believe that their leaders can be involved in anything that is nefarious, and the proof of which has been staring everybody, the public included, in the face for years. Like a, a guest I've had on my show, uh, Dr. Colin Ross, out of Dallas, He's one of the leading psychiatrists in the world who has worked with the MKUltra victims. Mm. In his uh, context of, of doing so, he uncovered that, yes, it's absolutely a truthful statement to say that the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry financed those programs at Stanford. Oh, wow. Wow. Now, um, real quick before I, before I forget, I wanted to ask you also, you are a former 32nd degree Mason. Uh, why former? Uh, did you choose to leave? Were you forced to leave? What what happened? It was a little bit of both. Um, I what happened was I was recruited by the Supreme Council mm -hmm. to go to work for them at the building in Dallas, mm -hmm. and that was at the age of 28. I was the youngest Mason ever wow. to go on Supreme Council payroll, like under 50, ever, mm -hmm. and. So that was a big deal, and it, cre it created a lot of uh, attention on me in that environment. It made me like a public figure, so to speak, in that environment. And I, w I was basically their poster boy, and the longer I was there, the more problems I ran into with like water cooler type little chit-chat behind the scenes of these guys who were basically trying to run me but had absolutely no authority. We're not my boss, we're, you know, and then we're causing problems and... Uh, creating a lot of unnecessary drama and a hostile work environment and everything. And it, I, my boss kept telling me, you know, oh, be like a duck. Let it roll off your back, It was what he would say. And I tried that, but it became so bad over the months and months mm -hmm. that eventually I had a nervous breakdown over it. And then oh, wow. 
the chairman of the board uh, forced me out. Oh, and that's wow. when their harassment and all of that started immediately thereafter. Before I, before I even considered uh, sounding the alarm, blowing the whistle, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. uh, and now I, I got this uh, picture of your, uh, it, it's, it's basically a, a, a diploma, certificate. a certificate of, of, of some sort uh, with your name on it. Uh, uh, you know, uh, and in it we read that, you know, you are indeed a, a 32nd degree Mason. Uh, what, what has the backlash been like? after you left i mean this is stuff that i don't think most people are supposed to see right like these certificates <laughs> and obviously the information you 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 have put out there and made public uh what what has been some of the things that, that you've had to uh endure after leaving the uh, uh the brotherhood of freemasons um, intense gang stalking, like something you might imagine with the Scientologists. Uh, two attempts on my life. Um, enormous volume of death threats, both, wow. well, in every form of communication, whether that's written mail, email, phone calls, everything. Mm -hmm. uh, and why, why keep this uh, such a secret? Why are the Freemasons so, uh, uh, you know, bent on keeping all this a secret when you know i have friends who are masons and you know they tell me how great it is and you know yeah you you know you should think about joining etc cetera, etc cetera. and when i confront him with some of the information that you know i've i've uh, researched you know from former masons like yourself it's almost like they find it hard to believe uh, uh why is it's freemasonry so secret well, to quote who was my ultimate boss, Ronald Seal, who is the top guy of the entire place, he's what mm -hmm. they call the Sovereign Grand Commander of the Scottish Rite in D.C., mm -hmm. um, he says whenever you see him on History Channel or, or whatever, quote, we're not a secret society, we're a society with secrets. Mm -hmm. So it is my informed opinion that Freemasonry isn't really trying to conceal its own basic tenets or secrets, mm -hmm. what it's really doing is trying to conceal what dirty stuff the hands are in the cookie jar of, you know? Right, right. Um, well, I remember reading in, in one of um, your blog posts, and I, I like the, the statement which basically said, um, anyone that has a need for secrets... Mm -hmm. It, like that in itself um, means that there's something going on because otherwise you wouldn't have a need for secrets. Right. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and yes, any like say, for example, in a time of war, I understand that maybe a military would need to have its secrets okay. or mm -hmm. whatever. But for this, I mean, you're talking about people who are judges, people who are in law enforcement, people who are powerful attorneys and financiers and, and all, the whole nine yards. And when they're in cahoots like this on this level, then there's a problem, a big one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, now, in, um, on your website, which is uh, dialm4mason.wibbly.com, and we'll be posting the, the link uh, shortly. Um, and in your About section, um, and I'm going to quote, um, it says, he unexpectedly uncovers some of the most shocking revelations about this so-called, quote, international charitable fraternal service organization. Um, what are some of these uh, shocking revelations? One of the most shocking was I had had a background in education and technical theater, and so I was familiar with stagecraft and all of that, and that's a lot of what 
uh, the Scottish Rite rituals are because mm. unlike when you're the uh, candidate going through them in the Blue Lodge where it's a one-on-one experience, mm-hmm. it's more like a college level where you're in an auditorium and you're just observing you know, a, a ritual right. team do it for you and then you stand up and take the oath off of a PowerPoint slide and, uh, you know, in mass. And mm-hmm. um, one of the things that stood out and struck me very hardcore about it initially was in the 31st degree, Inspector Inquisitor, they use a real-life mummified corpse for no apparent reason as the body in the ritual in, in the degree, and it's really stupid to me because you could run to any stage supply mm-hmm. and get a mannequin or, you know, whatever. And I, I just don't understand stuff like that. In D.C., they do it with the corpse of Albert Pike. Mm-hmm. Um they they claim that there's paperwork on all this and that these people whose bodies they are died and willed them to the Scottish Rite, but there's absolutely zero evidence to support that. Wow. Uh, and let me ask you something, because, again, I, I have a lot of friends who are, who are um, uh, Masons. Well, not a lot, but I have my share of friends, I should say, who are Masons. But, um, you know, they, they tell me that one of the, the, the requirements is that, you know, you believe in some kind of higher power. It can be Christ, it can be Buddha, it can be anything. It, it, it's basically any kind of, you know, whatever suits your fancy. Um, and as I read more and more, former Masons have stated that ultimately they are introduced as Lucifer, as the light bearer, and as... Uh, the god of Freemasonry, and I may be paraphrasing poorly, and I apologize. Is there any truth to that? Yes, there's an immense amount of truth in that, because most lodges, blue lodges, that is, around-the-corner neighborhood lodges in any town near you, um, they keep a copy of, like, the Bible and the Quran and uh, the Torah on hand, Mm -hmm. so... If, you, if you're from one of the big three religions as your background, then they have that to lay that book on the altar because you put your hand on it and you take your O's on it through each of the degrees, depending on what your particular flavor is, right? right. Well, that being said, I witnessed um, all sorts of people. They claim mm-hmm. that you have to have a belief in monotheism. That's the requirement, but that's not true because I watched... Uh, people I knew come mm-hmm. in from the OTO, Ordo mm-hmm. Templi yeah. Orentis, yeah. Yeah. and take their O's with their hands on a copy of the book of uh, the Holy Books of Thelema by Aleister Crowley. Right. Wow. Wow. That is really something else. I had never heard of um, anything like that, but uh, it seems that, it, yeah, it, as long as you have some kind of belief, and is it because they need you to believe on something in order for, you know, the, the tr- uh, I guess, uh, if I may use the word, truths that are revealed to the candidates later um, so that they're more easily accepted, I guess. You know, it, it's almost, uh, the way I see it, it, it's almost like they want somebody that has kind of like that um, attitude of uh, uh, recognizing a higher power and willing to submit to it, right? Uh so that when you get to the higher degrees and they tell you, you know, some of these things like, you know, Lucifer and the light bearer and all that, you are, you know, you, you spend enough time in there that you're just accepting of what they tell you. Yes, I would say that they place a higher importance on uh, putting your allegiance to them than whatever your faith Mm -hmm. happens to be now i mean as far as let's like this mummy thing for example if anyone wants to try and challenge that then you know what don't take my word for it 
Go to scottishright.org and look for yourself mm. and see how they admit that they keep his corpse on hand, Albert Pike, oh, wow. for their use. Wow. That's bizarre. No, I, didn't, I did remember reading about that. And even I can't envisage it, but it, I mean, what, what would motivate them to want to do that, you know? Is it so? It would be called necromancy. Mm hmm. Is it just their, their need to, I don't know, have a ritual, just something they came up with for fun? <laughs> or. Well, I mean, I would say that the reptilian part of the brain, I, I don't mean shape-shifting reptilians, I'm saying the frontal lobe reptilian mm -hmm. part right. um, is very, very aligned with rituals, mm -hmm. and that is the culture in there, because like I said, it's a very uh, military precision. The, the Grand Lodge will come in and they will grade individual lodges, and if so much as one little piece of footwork is out of synchronicity or anything, mm -hmm. then it's points off and the lodge can fail and um, all sorts of things can happen. And um, now, one of the things that um, I've noticed uh, is that it seems that, you know, over, over the, 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 you know, couple of hundred years, I guess, that Freemasonry has been around, it has been mainly and predominantly for, uh, you know, white Caucasian males to, to join, right? And I know that women have their own little group called the, the Order of the Eastern Star, and... I believe it's uh, the demo lay is for like the young man, like the, the, the you know, like teenagers that, you know, are not. Um, uh, yeah, that, that's yet. all correct. Yeah. Uh, so why is it? It seems that now uh, Freemasonry has become more accepting of, of people of, of other, you know, ethnic backgrounds. You know, I have friends who are Hispanics and are Freemasons. Um, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that, that you know, the, the, the black community has their own uh, the lodge. I think it's like the Prince, Prince Hall Prince yeah. Hall Lodge. Um, is, there a, is there a reason why it was mainly, you know, predominantly, you know, white Caucasian men and is it true that now they're more accepting of people from other ethnic backgrounds because the numbers have dwindled because of kind of, you know, some of the, the stories and the and and, uh, and uh, you know accounts from former members that have been in Freemasonry and left. Well, it was my observation that the um, Prince Hall system is very much still alive and well, mm -hmm. and it's still very segregated. Um, to define just how segregated it is, mm -hmm. any white a regular mainstream mason mm -hmm. can walk into a Prince Hall Lodge if they please, but a Prince Hall mason cannot in turn walk into a regular AFAM White Lodge. Oh, wow. And um, it's just kind of, now what I witnessed in Texas was really sick. Um, some of the leaders of the Scottish Rite, which I was around on a daily basis, were the type of wealthy white collar Republicans who um, were the types that were ardently racist and liked to go and, and find a black guy to kind of look like they were friends with so it looked like they weren't racist for oh, wow. political reasons. Wow. So that's kind of the culture of it, at least in Texas. Now, with the Hispanics, mm -hmm. yes, I have noticed that there is a much larger amount of Hispanic Masons in California yeah. than in Texas. Wow. Um Okay, sorry. I thought Genevieve had a question here. Now, the other thing, I, and these are you know stories that I've heard from friends of mine that you know had no reason to lie. And for example, one of them is, you know, we've all seen cars, and 
uh, I think once we kind of open our eyes to some of the symbolism of masonry, you know, like the square and compass and and um, and, and uh, uh, the the Shriners, uh, you know, emblem, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we see cars with these um, uh, emblems on on the back. Uh, a friend of mine um, told me this story, which I found really interesting, that. Um, she was invited to this uh, church uh, service at a at a park, and the uh, family that invited her were uh, Freemasons. Um, she attended this this service, and apparently, a lot of the uh, people there happened to be Freemasons. Um, uh, uh, you know, sometime later, the uh, wife of the uh, couple that invited her. Uh, you know, she wasn't feeling too well, so she asked to go home. So my friend offered to drive her home, and um, they took their car with these uh, Masonic symbols on the back. As they were driving down the, the freeway, apparently, the car encountered some trouble, and they had to pull off to the side of the road. And, you know, a short time later, a police car pulled up, and, you know, my friend is in the driver's seat. She's not a Mason. Uh, the, the, the gentleman's wife is in the passenger seat and the cop, you know, walks up to the driver's side and starts, you know, she said, talking to her in, in this, you know, with these weird sentences. And at first she was like, uh, you know, uh, not sure what to say. So the, uh, the, the wife in the passenger seat responded to these uh, questions and sentences with other weird, you know, phrases. And uh, she says that it felt like they were communicating in some kind of way that she wasn't, you know, privy to. Um, is that something that is common? I mean, is, are, are a lot of members of law enforcement uh, masons, and is there really like this? Uh, yeah, that you know, they'll basically help you out more than if you were like an average Joe, if you will. Oh, totally. They have entire lodges that are cop lodges. The one in downtown Dallas at the Scottish Riot Building was a lodge called East Dallas Lodge that meets there in the in the blue. No, they get the green room at the Scottish Riot Building. And um, yeah, it's let me tell you, when you're inside that net, <laughs> life is very good. Mm. Yes, I, I got out of probably... 50 somewhere speeding tickets driving oh, wow. like an ass around the city of Dallas. Yeah. Wow. And that's all just for being a Mason, uh, a Freemason. Oh, yeah. That's for being able to. I mean, I, it was the whole nine yards. I had the decals on my car, I had the jewelry on, I knew all the dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can you explain a little bit uh, again? Uh, you know, and I have to uh, uh, keep going back to, to some of the books I read. Um, it seems that some of the phrases that, that they use uh, are saying, you know, that they're on the level or that they're traveling from east to west. What is the point of all this? What, what do these, you know, kind of like code phrases, uh, what are they meant to communicate to another fellow well, Mason? What, um, some examples, maybe. Well, you just said two of them. I mean, uh, will you be off or from? It's, just, it's stuff like that. Uh, mm -hmm. It's it really the only way to explain it is just to say that it's written in a very old Victorian English, you know, mm -hmm. and that's the language. We, learning masonry is learning its own language, the language of symbols, the, the bizarre old English, all of that. And once you know that, you accelerate through it, you know. 
Um, and it seems to me, I mean, just from what I've heard, that it, uh, Freemasonry it, it seems to be the strongest in the East Coast, right? Like, obviously, you know, Washington, D.C. and, and you know, oh, some yeah, of these yeah, places. Um, it's, it's it's safe to, to, to say, and I know you, you, you worded it uh, 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 at the beginning of our, our conversation, that a lot of politicians are Freemasons. Um, and again, that is uh, something to be kind of worried about. You know, we were watching, and <laughs> for the millionth time in my case, the the um, the the footage shot by um, Alex Jones when he infiltrated, you know, Bohemian Grove, and you know, you see this kind of ritual taking place, and there's, you know, it seems like there's all these like famous politicians that attend there. And again, a lot of people say, well, what's wrong with that? You know, they're just out there having fun, et cetera, et cetera. But to me, the problem seems uh, to be that. You know, they're making some very serious decisions amongst themselves that affect, you know, really the, the entire, the whole nation, if not like the entire world subsequently. Uh, why do they do this? Why, why meet in secret? Is it just because they're, they're looking for their own personal gains? I believe so, yes. Uh, sociopaths are attracted to power, and Freemasonry is a very attractive thing for them because they look at that and think, oh, I can climb that social ladder, I can get into a powerful place in business with what I do, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly what goes on. And that's the danger in the equation, the real true one. It's, it's not um, some one person that's hell-bent in black magic or something mm -hmm. like that. No, it's, it's this culture of lawlessness that's arisen out of this just ravenously hyena-like, jackal-like thirst for power. Mm -hmm. um, is it true that Freemasonry is, is kind of like the path to the Illuminati? And I mean, and this is obviously assuming that the Illuminati exist. <laughs> they do exist, but there's no such thing as the Illuminati. If, if What everybody thinks of as the Illuminati is really called the Order of the Silver Star, mm. which is a reference to Sirius. Really? Uh, what can you tell me about, uh, I mean, I, this is the first time I hear about this Order of the Silver Star. Can you give me a little more information about that? Who are the people that make up this? You know, who, who gets to get in this group and in what company are they in once they make it? Technically, it's overseen by the Golden Dawn. Um, that, that would be kind of the management apparatus of it. But see, the Golden Dawn is very mysterious. They don't meet in a building. They don't take attendance, you know, any of that. They don't keep books. Um, so it's, it's really difficult to ascertain, unless you are in that, mm -hmm. how to spot someone else who is. Um, but that is kind of where, like, so to speak... Um, adepts in Freemasonry or various other places like Rosicrucians, etc., mm -hmm. that they will go to to retire in a, in a manner. And that's when you get the Order of the Silver Star would be like the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry. It would be that higher echelon of the Golden Dawn. So that's that's about as far as you can go. And, you know, to, just to touch on one thing that you brought up, mm -hmm. um, the Alex Jones thing. Yeah. When he did that, I would submit that the Bohemian Club is one of the most secure places, mm -hmm. secure facilities of anywhere in the world. And so he didn't infiltrate anything. He got in, He was in there. And I think that raises a lot of interesting no questions way. about his character. Really? Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, that's really interesting. So you think that 
basically, and and feel free to correct me. You're basically saying he he's part of it. Like he has, you know, he has the uh, the, the the you know their blessing to come coming at and out of this place. Like there was no need to break in. That was, you know. Well, I don't know him personally. Uh-huh. Uh, we're both from Dallas, but um, <laughs> wow. I know I know that you can't swim in by the creek. You can't uh, parachute in. They'll know. They right. have that's they have radar. They have cameras everywhere. They have guards, dogs, and no, you you can't just waltz in uh, and hide in the woods. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it makes it makes a disturbing amount of sense <laughs> that you know <laughs> um, because yeah, I think that. Um, the, in in you know in his uh, documentary, um, you know he kind of like stakes out the place, and then they kind of like you know wander through the woods into the parking lot, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, he claims that it was after he he broke in that they took all the security measures uh, as far as securing the perimeter. But I mean, you do raise a very interesting point that if you know if this place is is this you know kind of locked down section of the of the redwood forest. Um, it wouldn't be that easy to just, uh, you know, walk in there and, and start shooting the, ret- the ritual. But to your knowledge, everything he shot, everything he showed was, uh, was true and, and accurate. I mean, it appeared to be, I, I don't know, I'm not a Bohemian Club member, nor would I ever mm. <laughs> uh, set foot in there. So, no, I, I can't speak from a firsthand um, knowledge of that. But, I mean, it, it seems to look like an elaborate ritual is taking place. Mm-hmm. But, see, I think, if you want my honest opinion on it, I think that something like that, because previously to Alex Jones doing all that, little stun of his, no one really even knew about it, right? right. And so... Now it's like another in-your-face type of thing, like with how you know it came out about the Bilderberg mm-hmm. meetings and, and all of that, and they just don't care anymore. It's like, yeah, right. we're, we're going in, F you. And uh, I think that's the direction it's taken, and I think Alex Jones was instrumental in making that happen for the Bohemian Club. Because let me tell you something about Jones, mm-hmm. all right? Uh, speaking as a Texan, a yeah. sixth-generation Dallasite, uh, everybody there knows that when Alex Jones shows up to a peaceful protest, all hell breaks loose. So, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and everybody else also knows that Stratfor, one of his principal investors in Infowars, is a uh, defense subcontractor. Mm. So, you know, one and one do not make two right. in this equation. Now, you said that uh, you wouldn't, you know, be part of something like Bohemian Grove. Uh, is this, uh, you know, James Wright? Talking as the former 32nd degree Mason, or uh, would did you uh, think the same thing while you were still a, a, a Freemason? Um, no, when I was a Freemason, I would have likely gone. I would have been Johnny on the spot if they said jump. I would have asked how high. Mm. Um, so, and to your knowledge, are there any other? Um, groups like Bohemian Grove that operate in, in, in the U.S., you know, made up of, you know, powerful individuals. Uh, obviously, Freemason being one of them, this, uh, you know, Illuminati and, you know, Bohemian Grove. Are there more that we just simply are not familiar with? Oh, well, yes, but you can say that about so many things. I mean, like in Dallas, um, I think Dallas has the, the highest per capita of country clubs of any other city in America, and the most elite one it would be Dallas Country Club in, in Highland Park. And um, if you belong to that, then you know, you're know you a part of that elite, elite top rung of society there in town. And um, I think the same, you know, any, any group can get mm-hmm. together and start. Um, 
a, a, a group of conspirators, a, a syndicate, or whatever you want to refer to it as. And um, I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to determine that that never really would have anything that good attached to it. Right, right. Um, you know, I mean, it's it, this is really kind of blowing my mind. I'm I'm trying to uh, you know process everything as, as the conversation. Well, I was thinking on. the same thing. I mean, it, it's essentially, um, you know. All these different places are essentially mm-hmm. giant country clubs. Or oh, I know in England we could, they call them gentlemen's clubs because, well, yeah, only men are allowed to join. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about the history? Because obviously the Scottish Rite and the York Rite, uh, these are you know uh, places in, in the United Kingdom. Um, how how did they uh, manage to uh, cross over the Atlantic? Was it when you know they came in and you know colonized the first thirteen colonies and and. That's why we have such a strong um, uh, Freemason presence in in that uh, part of the country to this day. Oh, it it started before that. The St. Clairs discovered America. There's a castle in Rhode Island and another one in Nova Scotia to prove it. Mm. And they handed a, a map to one of their Templar adepts, a man by the name of Christopher Columbus. You might have heard of him. And then he Brent sailed Hill. and brought the pilgrims. Mm. And uh, is it, uh, what would you tell somebody that is thinking about joining Freemasonry? Hmm. Um, I have been asked that a couple times. Uh, what I've said to people is, you know, if you feel that you really want to have that experience, then fine, you know, go do it. But my advice would be that once it's done, leave. Do not make the mistake of sitting around there and getting snaked into that whole, you know, work for us for free, volunteer, mm-hmm. volunteer, give, 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 because all they want is your money and your time yeah. to further their own enterprise and do all their labor for them so they don't actually have to pay anyone to do it. And they're not paying any kind of taxes already anyway because they're a 501c3, and it's really ridiculous. <laughs> It's funny because when you, you know when you phrase it that way, it sounds very very similar to what goes on in Scientology. Um, is there any link between the two? Yes. Um, before Aleister Crowley was anything, he was a thirty third degree Mason. Hmm. He went on later in life to become friends with a man named L. Ron Hubbard, right? And who L. Ron attributes most of his inspiration in that too. So, again, don't take my words for that. Look up their own quotes. Right. <laughs> no, very true. And um, I know that, you know, on your, on your website, uh, downlandformason.webly.com, uh, you, uh, you post, uh, you know, you have a blog and you post some videos. And uh, I believe it was one of the, the most recent videos. You, uh, you talk about uh, Scientology dying. Um, and again, you know, I, I see a lot of parallels between the two. Obviously, you know, you have a lot of powerful men that become to free uh, to that become members of, of the Brotherhood of Freemasons. Um, whereas Scientology, it, it almost seems like they go for uh, people on the in the entertainment industry, right? We obviously know about Tom Cruise and John Travolta and, and all these kind of major stars, and they almost you know both organizations operate in the in the same kind of way, but. You mentioned in, in one of your uh, recent videos that, that uh, Scientology is dying. Uh, why do you think that? 
Well, um, I'm frequently down on Hollywood Boulevard as the Los Angeles news correspondent for a European station mm -hmm. where my show is on. And uh, being down there, as much as I am, I witness every single time that the Dianetics booth where the Scientologists do their recruiting right outside of the subway terminal at the intersection of Hollywood and Highland, yeah. Yeah. that's always dead. It doesn't matter when it is, and you, you can sit there and watch those guys, and they'll, they'll be just hassling everybody that passes them by. Would you like a free stress test? Would you like a pamphlet? Would you like mm -hmm. da, 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 you know, a copy of Dianetics? And no one even looks at them. It's like everybody's become so sick of that subject mm -hmm. that it's just, it's really, I mean, I almost feel sorry for those people because you know they're probably being paid nothing. Right. And they probably have to walk there, mm -hmm. set up the booth, man it, and, and all of that. And it's just, what an abysmal existence. Oh my God! With uh, with Freemasonry, what are um, some of the things that that you know initiates and and members have to do in order to um, uh, you know stay in 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 a good standing with the with their lodges? I mean, are there fees that they have to pay? Are there duties they have to carry out? Are there like community service hours? Uh, you know, what are some of the things that? Um, uh, yeah, there's no required hours. There's an immense amount of pressure. However. Um, what I would say is that they $100 you to death. Every time right. you turn around, it's $100, $100, $100 for some degree fee or, you know, now join. Because there's all these little buy invitation only mm. orders that are appendant bodies, as they call them. And so, I mean, there's, there's hundreds. And if you join hundreds, you're, right. you better have the pocketbook to front it. And I guess that's why uh, you know, predominantly see people of affluent, you know, means... Uh, being high-ranking masons, I would imagine, because uh, you know, after a while, this this sounds like a very expensive uh, <laughs> brotherhood to belong to. Um, yes, one of those. Um, my grandfather was a member of it. One of those appendant bodies is called the Royal Order of Jesters, J E S T E R S, and to belong to that, you have to show on paper that you have at least one million dollars disposable income at any moment. Wow. Um, um, there is um, a, a new question up in the chat um, saying uh, why it took you so long to get out of this brotherhood and why didn't you leave sooner? But from what I know, you you left pretty soon, but I'm not sure. I Well, I didn't leave. No, I, I got involved first in like 2003. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was 2010 when I was recruited to go work in that position on the Supreme Council. So that was seven years and um honestly I, all i can say is that from the sick sick environment that i came out of of my own family mm -hmm. and which pushed me in that direction and then going through that sick sick environment i was programmed and i think that in my case the way my my brain chemistry is made up or how i respond to situations or whatever it mm -hmm. took a really intense trauma okay. to break that programming and make me wake up and go oh my god what what is the you know what have I been letting them do to me? So d did you leave as soon as you realized, or did you kind of hang around a bit because you you didn't know what to do? I left. Um, my boss, the secretary general, was out of town in Oregon mm -hmm. when I made that decision, and um, he was calling me and because I you know I trusted him and I guess he trusted me and, and whatever we had a good working relationship and he called me and he said you know just take the week off go to the lake or because he knew that my family had a lake house there in Dallas and mm -hmm. um, 
you know, just do your thing, relax, and don't worry about work, and, and I'll deal with them, and blah, 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 and by the time I get into town, this will all be blown over. Well, by the time he got back into town, he himself was also out of a job. Wow. So that didn't happen. <laughs> um, and at first, I appealed to Ronald Seal directly. Like I said, he was my ultimate boss yeah. at the place. And he promised that he would help and that he would discipline the guys who were doing what they were doing. And that help never came, and, and none of that happened. Um, and I was being gang-stalked so bad that I became suicidally depressed for the first real hardcore time ever in my life wow. and I basically saw two options in front of me either in my life or stand up and take a stand and take control of my life and vet these people mm -hmm. and um, you were also saying that you grew up in presumably a, a negative environment at home um, do you, are you able to develop on that or oh yeah it's um, my family was very I would, they go back. They were, they helped settle Dallas. We were one of those original founding oh, families wow. or whatever, very prestigious, mm -hmm. highly regarded in the community, and blah blah blah, and mm -hmm. all of that. And um, the amount of drugs and sloppy drinking and over sex saddled wrecks in my family was just I mean that in and of itself was traumatizing growing up my mm -hmm. grandmother was really my maternal grandmother was really the only decent person I knew that gave me any love I mean my mother was a monster she was with uh, uh, my her first husband my birth father um, <laughs> they were known for sacrificing cats and all kinds oh, of wow. fun stuff nice. at their little occult parties and it just you know it, that kind of stuff it, it's it's really bizarre and you grow up inside of that where that's the norm mm -hmm. yeah it, people wonder why I was with the Masons for so long mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah so is there any connection still to your family or is that not even worth asking yeah, there's actually a misnomer about me. Um, okay. A lot of people have just looked at me and assumed that perhaps because the reason I don't communicate with my family may have something to do with I'm gay and they don't really well, no, Let me tell you something. Half my family is gay. So um, that's not it. What mm -hmm. what broke the last communications I had with any like aunt or cousins back in Dallas was coming out publicly against the Scottish Rite. That was considered such a no-no that it was a deal-breaker. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And let me, I mean, from what I hear, uh, your story kind of echoes the story of other people who have been, uh, you know, uh, formerly associated with uh, the Freemasons or have had, you know, uh, uh, family in the Masons. Um, it seems like occult practices, uh, practices go hand in hand a bit uh, when you're a Freemason. Is is that the, the norm, or do you find that these are just kind of like just certain, you know, people that like to uh, uh, dabble in, in, in that kind of stuff? Oh, it's different strokes for everybody, but um, what I will say is that when I came in the door the night I was initiated, what I noticed first, the very first thing, mm -hmm. when I was going through my initiation procedure, um, <laughs> I had been down the metaphysical book aisle of a bookstore a few times in my life, and so I knew various things about magic and the occult, and you know, I, I had a very general beginner's knowledge of it. Mm -hmm. And the very first thing I noticed during my initiation is, oh, they're calling the corners. This is like a what what they call the circumambulation is more like 
casting a circle and and yeah it's they're they employ all those elements yes absolutely and one of the things that i also remember reading was um uh a, a lot of former uh freemasons uh, uh caution people um in regards to keeping uh you know any kind of masonic regalia in the home because they claim you know they have attachments or you know they might just you know have some kind of odd energies uh you know on them et cetera et cetera is that is that something uh that the i mean people should be worried um the implication being that there are some kind of occult rituals that happen in the lodge and you know uh Certain um, I, I don't think there's any like voodoo per se on the jewelry and stuff. Um, that used to be the culture of it was like, don't let people see this and don't show it to anyone, especially like in the 1950s and all that. But by the time the 80s rolled around, mm -hmm. they shifted that a little bit and it became more of a culture of like, show it off, you know, mm. to the public, yeah. make, make, make everybody else around you want to join type of thing. Um, so, yeah, but as far as energy and, and stuff like that, broaching on the supernatural, I would say that um, Scottish Rite buildings themselves, just given the sheer number of years of age of them mm -hmm. and number of rituals that have been conducted in, in them over that hundred plus years, yes, you're, you're playing with very powerful forces. Wow. I've always used the analogy, it's like a kid that found his dad's gun, mm, you know? Wow, wow. Wow, that's uh, that's that's really something. Um, I don't know if we have a, a minute still to ask um, about your connection to Princess Diana and what the the story may be behind that. In terms of well, um, she would know. be a cousin. I, mm -hmm. It comes out to be ninth cousin for me, so she'd be my mother's eighth and. Um, it's it well it, it has it's not just Princess Diana I mean it's yeah. all anybody who would try and naysay the thing about oh all the presidents are related and mm -hmm. and a lot of people in Hollywood are related and and blah 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 related and blah blah related and all this yeah it's true and my genealogy which is academically peer reviewed is proof of that so wow um, you but I don't I wouldn't say that it's some kind of elaborate conspiracy mm -hmm. that because they do yeah they track people and, and they know your genealogy even if you don't but um, when you're coming up for I mean why do you think I got that job at the Scottish Rite if I would have been Joe Schmo mm -hmm. that would have never happened right right um, we're gonna be heading into our top of the hour break and and we're gonna come back but um, before I do that um, I wanted to ask you how easy or difficult for that matter was it for you to leave Freemasonry? It was extremely difficult. Just to answer a quick question in the chat, my um, mother lodge was John L. DeGrazier, number 1349 at 5300 Forest Lane in Dallas. And the other lodge I belonged to was, was Northern Star, number 377, which met at 500 Harwood in the Scottish Rite Building in downtown. Thank you for and, that. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, it's uh, gosh, it, what a trip! It's it, I. It was devastating, yes, mm -hmm. because for me at that at that particular moment when it all went nuclear, it was my life. It was everything I knew. It was my religion. Mm -hmm. It was everything. And when that all collapsed in front of me, mm -hmm. it was. I, <laughs> I mean, you can just imagine. Yeah, you know. no, absolutely. This is—it was basically the, you know, the the, the 
family you knew, right? Like these were the people you grew up, you know, with and and surrounded yourself with. And having to renounce that, I, I can only imagine that it, it must have been extremely difficult. But I think what made it probably the the most difficult was was, you know, what what you were subject to after the fact. That it sounds very similar to what. You know, people who have left Scientology had to endure, you know, being followed around, being, you know, um, uh, uh, pretty much stalked and, and, and surveilled, uh, you know, the, for who knows how long after the fact. Um, and let me, we're going to go out with this one question before we, we come back from the break. But is, in your opinion, is Freemasonry a cult? Absolutely. Absolutely. And not, I'll throw you one better. Mm -hmm. Any Mason who says that it's not, they're lying through their teeth. Wow. Um, we're going to take a break and we're going to come back uh, because this uh, this conversation, as I'm, as I'm sure people have noticed, is very, very fascinating. Filthy. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's insane. I mean, believe me, I could talk about this for hours. I, um, I, I, um, I am uh, more really fascinated by the Freemasons since I was, uh, I think, in my early teens and somebody, you know, uh, showed me like the back of the dollar bill and, you know, some of the symbology behind it. And they told me that, you know, the Freemasons were, you know, running the government, et cetera, et cetera. And ever since then, I probably was like 12 or 13, um, you know, I've, I've been kind of fascinated by this whole whole thing. So I want to thank you for, for being with us tonight. If you're so kind to just hang hang on the line while we play a, a couple of songs and we come back, uh, we'll, we'll talk some more. And I think Ron will be giving us a call as well uh, to say hello. So uh, is that all right, James? Uh, do you have a few minutes to spare? Uh, while we oh, no, absolutely. And I, I love Ron. I'd love to say hello to him. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, James. I'm going to just uh, uh, keep you on standby here. And we're going to play uh, a couple of songs. I know we got a request, right? We've got a couple. So we got a couple. Of, what's the first one we're going to play? Uh, well, we're going to have a little Pink Floyd section. So Nice. <laughs> and this one is for? Um, well, this one's going to be for Tattoo Guy. And the next one will be for Leslie. Oh, wow. So two Pink Floyd. Yep. Nice. That's my kind of night right there. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go away. West of the Rockies is coming right back right here on the Independent FM. Uh, I'm here. Genevieve is here. And we're joined by James Wright, former 32nd uh, degree Mason. And boy, if you missed the first hour, don't go away. We're going to come back and we're going to talk a whole lot more. Post your questions on the chat or um, on our Twitter feed if you're listening through iHeartRadio. That's at WOTR Radio. Genevieve, you got those jams? Mm -hmm. Then let's fire them up. Here we go. What's up, guys? This is Jorge Diaz of Paranormal Activity, The Marked Ones. And you're listening to West of the Rockies with Frank. This portion of the show is sponsored by Haunted Orange County, your premier source for all things haunted in and around OC. From haunted history ghost walks to ghost group hunting expeditions at some of SoCal's most haunted destinations. Make your fall plans early and book an upcoming tour or investigation today. Visit hauntedoc.com. And we are back. 
to the second half of Earth to the Rockies. I'm Frank. Thank you guys for sticking around. I know it's late, but man, it's been an intense first hour. Genevieve, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm just here listening and absorbing all the info. You and know. eating some uh, weird snack. <laughs> some crunchy, crunchy ramen, ramen crunch. <laughs> There you go, oh, folks. Asian that, snacks. That's what Genevieve, <laughs> Genevieve is it's all into. Um, thank you guys for sticking around. Uh, as always, uh, I'm Engineer Frank on Twitter, West of the Rockies on Facebook. Our buddy Jimmy, who's going to be with us tonight, Jaime Roque on Twitter. And uh, uh, don't forget to like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash uh, West of the Rockies. Genevieve Uway on Twitter. Uh, let me check if, uh, if uh, James is, uh, is there with us. James, can you hear me okay? I think James uh, will be back with us shortly, but uh, I wanted to uh, plug his website, which is um, Dial M for Mason at mm -hmm. Wibbly, right? Weebly, I think. Weebly. I don't know. I think that's. The I know you posted it there. Yep, it's um, on our Twitter, and it was in a chat. Okay, cool. And uh, let me see if we got James back on. Uh, what do you tell people where where they can find you on social media? Well, you can look me up by my full name, um, which is James Robert Wright on Facebook. And um, on Twitter, it's at J-A-Y Dallas, Texas, all spelled out. And that's where you can find me. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. And I think we got Ron Patton on the line. Let me check here. Ron, uh, are you there? Good, sir. Let me check. I'll be right with you. <laughs> <laughs> Ron Patton of Paranoia Magazine is joining us as well. Ron, how are you? Good, sir. I'm doing all right, thanks. How awesome. are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing great. We're doing great. This uh, the first hour has been quite quite intense, and mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to the second hour. Uh, Ron, thank you for <laughs> making this uh, uh, interview uh, possible. Why don't you tell people where they can find you in Paranoia Magazine? Well, if they come down to San Diego, I'm at 630C Street, uh, number 16, and uh, you can also go to www.paranoiamagazine.com for uh, any upcoming events we might be having. Very cool, very cool. And um, real quick, Ron, why don't you tell me how you and, and James got in touch? Well, I believe it was back um, when we had the uh, Paranoia Con back in August. Okay. Yeah. And so um, he knew Frater X. Right. who was a presenter at the, the Paranoia Con. And uh, so he came there, and we got to meet, and we hit it off really well, and so we've been in touch uh, ever since. And now, Ron, I know you're quite familiar with Freemasonry and, 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 and this topic in general. When you were talking to James, um, what was, what was your, your impression? I mean, he's a very uh, you know, eloquent young man. Um, did, you, did you find the information to coincide with some of the stuff that you knew and had researched in the past? Uh, yeah, not only that, but there, there are certain individuals that are putting information out on Freemasonry and the Illuminati, mm -hmm. which I just felt was either disinformation or misinformation or something entirely different. Um, and so that's, uh, I think, our, our common ground. We both agreed that there were, um, you know, there's a lot of spurious theories um, mm -hmm. regarding Freemasonry and what's referred to as the Illuminati. And so, uh, so it was very refreshing 
to, to find somebody who, you know, was a Freemason, mm-hmm. um, like Frater X, and uh, who basically pretty much coincide with what I was thinking. But, I mean, they were on the inside, so they mm-hmm. know best. And I know that, you know, Ron, I've had you on the show before, and we've talked about mind control and, and, and those kind of topics that, you know, has taken us, taken us down some very, very dark paths. Uh, but, uh, James, um, in, in one of our emails, you were telling me about a book, uh, Freemasonry's Cult Abuses. And uh, apparently there's a, there's a, a bit of a... a um, uh, trouble with with uh, uh, one of the people helping you write this book. Uh, you don't have to go into that if if that's something that we can't talk about. <laughs> a bit, <laughs> but, but a landslide. <laughs> one, if you're free to talk about it, uh, please do. But I wanted to ask you what what are some of these cult abuses that that the title alludes to? Well, I think pretty much everything that I've been explaining thus far. I mean, it's um, the the stuff that they did to me in the context of that job, forcing me to work upwards of ninety hours a week, wow. Wow. having to practically live in the building. All you know, it just it became so overwhelming, so daunting, and so just debilitating that it was and they had private doctors who were giving me you know speed to come up valium to come down so it was very controlled and regulated it was it was insane and on then all the emotional abuse the verbal abuse all that yeah that sexual sexual harassment constantly that it's just so you know i mean you 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 hear this and and it's almost hard to believe that that this is what's going on and in such a, a a huge you know uh organization but i mean i guess for the people who are familiar with it it, it shouldn't come as as a, as a huge uh shock now what's what's the deal with this book is this book gonna make it it's a it's it gonna come out eventually I suppose that no, it's it's been out. It was released okay. on New Year's Day of 2012. Um, now, what I didn't know mm-hmm. was the background of the publisher, New Falcon. When I got well, I mean, I I knew that they fancied the occult, mm-hmm. but I just assumed it was the particular genre of the label, and I didn't really look into it any deeper. And I should have because, as it turns out. New Falcon was it principally owned by a company called the United States Ecclesiastical Society and Seminary, which is a California 501c3, mm-hmm. and it's also the apparatus that owns the Golden Dawn, in particular uh, the Israel Regardi lineage of the Golden Dawn, that half, because there's either the McGregor Mathers half or there's mm-hmm. the Israel Regardi half. No. And um, the... CEO is a man named Michael Miller, who is a very famous basketball coach in Southern California, who is currently, if you were watching uh, KTLA News back around Halloween, um, was busted on child sex crime charges at uh, the school and and all of that, minor this, filming, all that. And that's really all I can say because the rest I'm under a gag order about with the LAPD and I have to testify at the trial. Wow. Oh my! Um, what is the fascination? And Ron, feel free to chime in because I'm sure you got you got some information on this. But what is the fascination with with you know it, it, these um, almost? Excuse me, that I find hard to uh, to put the word out there, but it's almost like uh, pedophilia. You know, it seems like a lot of these men uh, they get tangled up in in some of the you know with either pictures of 
young boys, et cetera, et cetera. Um, why is that just as simple as, you know, they need leverage on people and, you know, they kind of steer them in this direction. So if they ever try to get out of line, they'll, you know, pull this, you know, out of the bag and go like, oh, you know, if you try to do anything, you know, we got this on you. Is it just as simple as that? Or is it more of an occult type of thing, an occult practice, or, you know, like sex magic or some Aleister Crowley type of type of thing? Uh, or why is it that, you know, I keep hearing this coming up, these kind of like sexual misconduct and scandal and et cetera, et cetera, from, you know, people that have been involved in government and in turn like Freemasonry, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I mean, from my, my perspective, they, there are individuals that are, you know, steeped in the occult and, you know, they truly believe in, in what they're doing. They're, they believe that there's this exchange of energy that takes place with a child. Mm -hmm. And then I think we talked about this before regarding the different um, ceremonies. Right. At different ages, and I know that there's the uh, the age of three ceremony, and uh, a little too graphic to talk about, but mm -hmm. um, they truly believe that they're doing a favor for the child, and, wow. and also gaining a certain amount of power themselves. Um, and then there are on the, on the other side of it, I believe that they use the occult or sex magic or whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. as a as a form of trauma and they may not even really believe in it whether whatever you want to call it satanism luciferianism but they they play off uh people's belief systems mm -hmm. and so um the, i think those are the the two angles i look at when when people are being traumatically abused or ritually abused and uh James, does that sound pretty accurate? I mean, it, it, does that kind of ring a bell with, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, your own personal experiences or just stuff that you heard around while you were with the uh, Freemasons? No, it, it does. Um, like I said about my grandmother being the only person mm -hmm. in my family that loved me, I think she is the, I believe 100% that she is the only thing that kept me from falling victim to that at a young age as a child because my life was actually pretty much good and considering how sick my family was I was okay because I was with her most of the time and then she suddenly died when I was 16 and that's when the you know storm started mm. and yes that that stuff goes on one of the earliest memories I have in life of having like a serious conversation with my grandmother was I, I couldn't have been any more than four mm -hmm. and I didn't understand why um, I had a, a little friend th next door who was also four and I didn't understand why I wasn't allowed to walk down her front sidewalk and out the electric gate and next door inside their electric gate and, and so on and she would tell me you can't it's too dangerous there are cults in this world that will kidnap you oh wow wow just like that, just uh, because of outright. your um, because of your stat status and your family status, or just yeah, she said because of what you are. Okay. Wow. Jeez. Let me. Uh... Um, the, I'm I'm trying to get my head around it. W <laughs> wouldn't that earn, earn you more respect in a way, or why would you be targeted even more than? As in, like, um, I, I would have thought that you know, coming from a family like that would would result in the opposite. 
well, I would be a trophy in that regard. I would mm -hmm. be a highly sought-after commodity okay. for yep. those type of pedophiles and, and everything else. They, If you want to get into the ritual magic and that kind of stuff, just to touch on it a little bit, that, the belief is that when you have one of these purebreds, you know, these little blonde-haired, blue-eyed, red-haired, green-eyed, Merovingian children or whatever, mm -hmm. that you can extract their fluids and through alchemical rituals and everything create monatomic gold to help oh, you wow. in your own rituals that's, that's mental wow <laughs> wow that is incredible yeah. it really is and they believe this like they sincerely wholeheartedly believe like it's not it's not it's not a, a ritual they do for fun right like they believe that you know that power is there and this is the way to acquire it Oh, yeah, the ones doing it, yeah. That, that's what it's really took me aback when I got to work on the Supreme Council was meeting people who, behind closed doors, attribute all their success in life to dark forces. Jeez. It, it just, that's what I find mental. <clears throat> uh, now, just to backtrack a few, uh, 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 you know, just looking at the chat room, I, I missed a question by Professor Madness, and I know he's got a second question that I will uh, uh, uh post to you in, in, in just a minute but his first question i believe and i'm going to paraphrase um uh he was uh, asking if it's possible for you to elaborate on the two attempts on your life if it's not too um you know too personal or too much to to share yeah the first one is in my book like they were talking about um it was in dallas i was leaving a bar i was under the impression that i was uh giving someone a ride home because his battery was dead and it turned into an all-out attack and a hostage situation in my own car being beaten up and everything it took wow. two truckers that i i jumped the car off the freeway because i was the one driving it mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and um, wheeled into this racetrack gas station that was fully lit, busy as could be, one of those things with like 20 pumps, right. you know, and these two guys in a pickup, I screamed for help, jumped out of the car, and they came running over and grabbed him and held him while I jumped in and got away, so that's what saved me that time, and then the second time was driving south to San Diego to go see friends for the weekend, mm -hmm. um, headed on the 5 south, and... A van pulled up next to me, and they took a shot at my tire and tried oh, to wow. cause me to collide with the, wow. the retainer wall, but I didn't. So I I, I coasted. To, I took the car out of gear, and because when they when they blew that tire, I mean it affected everything. Mm -hmm. the, the engine started to roar and everything, and I took it out of gear and let it coast to a stop. Um, this might be a bit of a a loaded question, but. Do you know who these men were that were, or who sent these men to uh, uh, try and uh, silence you? Uh, the first time, I believe it was my former employers. The second time, I believe it was persons surrounding Michael Miller, my publisher, because I believe wholeheartedly, knowing now what I should have known then, was that he was more interested in Publishing a book, mm -hmm. me meeting my end, and him raking in the profits. Wow. That's scary. That is <laughs> pretty scary. Um, you know, somebody that maybe at one point you call a friend. <laughs> yes, I had trusted him, much like I trusted my boss at the Scottish Rite, mm -hmm. and I was wrong. It, it's, uh, believe me, I'm getting, honestly, I'm getting chills just, just hearing you talk about this. This, this is just, uh, it's almost like a movie. Um, sure. in, in your uh, email, you also mentioned a current book uh, you're, you're uh, promoting uh, with the title The Secret War Inside Freemasonry. What is this secret war? 
Well, uh, Frater X, who we've been talking about, mm -hmm. um, he's the author, and I'm mentioned in it, and I wrote the appendix for it, and it's a really great book. It just came out. His website is um, middlechamberfx.wordpress.com. Uh, I think, yeah, middlechamberfx.wordpress.com. That's right. Okay. And um, it's a it's a great book, and um, he w he was heavier though in the York Rite stuff. I was heavy right. in the Scottish Rite, so we kind of we're the best of both worlds when we're together and and talking mm -hmm. <laughs> and all of that. So yeah, let me ask Ron a quick question. I know that there's some questions in the chat, and believe me, we're gonna get to those because they're they're good questions. Um, but Ron, <laughs> I don't I don't think I've ever asked you this question, but you're a smart guy. You you know a lot. Um, have you ever been approached by the Freemasons to join? Actually, when I went to the Puyallup Fair, that's up, uh, that's a, a town up by uh, Tacoma, Washington. Mm -hmm. This was probably back in the mid '90s. Uh, there was a uh, Masonic booth. Really? And uh, so, you know, just out of curiosity, I was talking to them, and they invited me to a lunch. So. Mm -hmm. I, I went to a luncheon and, and talked to them, and then they were going to, they invited me to a meeting, but then I just got kind of freaked out by that. So, like, uh, <laughs> what am I getting myself into, really? Right. So my, my the curiosity got the best of me, and I just, I just didn't feel good about it. So I, I didn't go to the um, actual meeting, but I, I did have lunch with some, a couple of Freemasons, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, they're, they're really big into like wow that's really fascinating ron you know i think you'd really enjoy what we have to offer you know and i think you have a lot to offer too you know that kind of spiel. right right so wow but uh, uh, yeah so uh, yeah in an indirect way only because uh, i i was again was curious to know a little bit more about them mm -hmm. not that i really wanted to join but i just thought well you know right we'll right see what happens in in the discussion um, see how it flows and let me let me read these uh, questions real quick. Professor Madness was, uh, said, "Some people are sick, so why do we only see the sickest and the rich? Is it just what the media shows that's putting thoughts in people's heads?" Um, uh, uh, James, what, what can you tell me about that? I would say, from my own experience, much like my family, it has to do with when you've had that much money for that long a time and that much power that goes with it. It, it starts to corrupt the environment and corrupt the kids. And it's when you have those elements of ritual and occult and this, that, secret societies and the other, politics, media, you name it, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a big problem. Out of all the current, of my current generation, my cousins, there's about a dozen of us total, and I would say half are productive members of society and half are completely hopeless drug addict wrecks because of the trauma. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not their fault. It's, it's what they've been through. Yeah. Right. Um, and, you know, talk about, uh, you know, the power corrupts. Um, I remember, you know, in high school, you know, taking like government class, um, we learned that, you know, the president really doesn't make that much money, right? At the time, when I was in high school, it was something like $200,000 a year. That's the, the, the president's salary. So the motivation is the power, right? It, it seems like it's all about power. And I know, Ron, when we talk about mind control, et cetera, et cetera, it's about somebody exerting power over somebody else. Um, 
And it seems it, it indeed is the case that power is the one that corrupts uh, and not so much the, the money, right? I mean, do you, did you see in Freemasonry money being the main motivator or was it more about just going up the ranks and being, you know, somebody that, you know, commanded some kind of, you know, respect from other members or, or members of the community for that matter? Oh, um, well, yeah, it's, uh, I would say that the money becomes secondary, because at that point, you've got so much of it that it's hard to even spin through it because when you've got over 20, 30 million, it makes so much interest a month that you can live a lavish lifestyle and still never spend the principle of it. And so um, at that point, if you're one of these type people, then all it becomes at that point is the acquisition of more power. And I mean, the depravity in my family was so through the roof, I think it would have raised eyebrows in the court of Caligula. So... <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a very um, uh, interesting way of putting it. Um, <coughs> we have a, another question from Tattoo Guy, and he uh, wants us to ask you which degrees involve the young children and occult things. Uh, he says that he has never seen anything remotely like that in the Blue Lodge. Well, yeah, like you mentioned in your um, one of the when you were opening the uh, show and everything, and you were talking about the various groups and things. Uh, D. Malay would be the group for young boys, so that would be like the Boy Scouts. Um, when I worked at the Scottish Fright Building in Dallas, it was no small secret that there had been, and I recall this on the news as a kid watching it on TV, um, the Secretary General of the Scottish Rite uh, back in the mid-'80s in Dallas uh, was involved in a very huge pedophile scandal, so big that there were literally dozens and dozens of victims. It would turn into a huge class action lawsuit. The guy mm -hmm. uh, died in prison. Um, but it was all, by the mid-90s, it was all swept under the rug and forgotten about. And they, they've removed any kind of reminders, any pictures of people who were involved from the building. There's no traces left. It's all in storage in the basement. And... Um, that's just the culture, you know, there is, is cover it up. That's, that's where Freemasonry Fs it up, you know. Mm -hmm. they, they, they start to cover for themselves before they even examine what went on. Wow. Um, you know, it's funny because uh, one of the things that I also, and, you know, pardon the, uh, the overly pop culture um, um, topic I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, put uh, on the table here for you guys to, to uh, help me discuss you know, we hear we hear a lot about you know the Illuminati being involved in like the entertainment industry, whether it's music, movies, et cetera, et cetera. Tonight we obviously had the the Grammys, and a lot of people, um, you know, the, the, like the very popular uh, blog uh, Vigilant Citizen, they talk about you know how some of these music performances are basically. Um, uh, you know rituals uh, that that you would find at some of these you know lodges or or uh, occult ceremonies uh, being performed, and they're just kind of you know paraded around in front of people's noses. Uh, let me start with James. Uh, you know, James, do you watch these type of shows? And if you do, do you see any similarity going on with, for example, you know, like a Lady Gaga or a Katy Perry performing a song and doing some interesting you know routines and choreography do you find that similar to some of the stuff that you've seen as a freemason yeah there was actually a performance that um i think it was pink gave at the mtv yeah video awards that it was years and years ago but it it was almost an identical 
uh, entered apprentice initiation, so it was like a. Ma- but I don't. I don't think any. I, I have an insider's knowledge in a limited capacity of the music industry here in Hollywood. I'm around it all the time, and mm-hmm. um, I would say from what I've seen. It's there's elements in the industry that might set those things up that way, but the performers, I'm sorry, I, I've yet to meet one that actually is a member of this stuff or, or that are in control creatively and, and making calling those shots. And when you see people like Jay Z and these these types who are throwing up a pyramid, mm-hmm. that's not a recognized sign in any occult order I've ever seen, and I've seen them all. Mm-hmm. That's actually a marketing gimmick for Rockefeller Records. Mm-hmm. Look it up. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it, it's true. With all of these, you know, kind of uh, seemingly occult displays um, on, on television, do you think that that is just a, a way of uh, getting people accustomed to uh, seeing these things as not so bad, quote unquote? It's that, and it's also indoctrination. Um, what, what we're doing right now is a language that we're speaking to each other, but that stuff is the language of the eyes. It's symbolism. Mm. And, you know, it's funny because I, I remember that one of the, the, <laughs> the eye-opening moments for me, as I mentioned earlier, was when, you know, I was introduced to this whole concept of uh, Freemasonry in my early teens. And obviously, like most, most kids growing up, I grew up, you know, watching The Simpsons. And I remember watching the, the, the Stonecutters episode, right, where Homer... <laughs> that was classic. And it's, you know... It, I look back on it now, and it's almost like, wow, was were they trying to tell us something? Was it like a warning, or was it just a, one early attempt at indoctrination? And let me start with Ron on this one. I, I'm, it's, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with that episode, Ron. What do you think was the purpose of, of showing something like that in a kid's cartoon? Yeah, I don't think there was anything necessarily nefarious. I think they were just playing off of the whole Masonic Illuminati type scenario Mm -hmm. but uh yeah there's a lot of people that made a big to do about it because it did give some insight but i think um james would probably agree that it's sort of a process of gradualism Mm -hmm. you know um it seems like each year there's more that's revealed and i don't know if this is some sort of deep-rooted occult practice but it seems pretty evident to where mm-hmm. basically people are desensitized when it comes to uh, cult symbolism and, and how it affects the, the human psyche or the soul. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Freeman has uh, and Jamie Henshaw have quite a bit of information on that mm-hmm. in terms of how it really affects us, you know, and the, the deeper levels of consciousness. But uh, so, yeah, I, I think there's some things that there, there's something to it, but you know, there, there's a lot of different other types of occult um, practices, whether it's Kabbalism or Masonic or, or Luciferian. So, um, again, I think a lot of people have a tendency to just sort of, you know, grab all these different things that are going on, and they call it Illuminati. So, right. um, and again, I think both James and I agree about the the status of Illuminati and where it was and how it began and where it's at today. And I just don't think it has any real viable influence upon uh, society. Um, James, what do you think of something like, like that, you know, a kid's cartoon and obviously in recent years, I mean, I don't know the names of some of these cartoons, but there's, uh, you know, I've, I'm 
you know, I've, I've wandered into that area of YouTube where people post, you know, these kind of like collage videos with different cartoons that, you know, you see like the all-seeing eye and the pyramid, et cetera, et cetera. What do you make of this influx of, you know, like Masonic imagery in, you know, kids' television? I think a lot of it, um, personally, I mean, like if I, for example, t tomorrow morning woke up and decided I would like to executive produce a cartoon mm -hmm. now, that's what I want to do, um, then I would obviously incorporate these type of elements and try to make it funny somehow, right? And like make a, a parody or something. But um, I think there's a lot of creative types that, you know, what you see in Hollywood is at some point somebody's artistic expression. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a lot of people who are in the know like uh, Roseanne Barr, for example, when she mm. speaks out about the MK Ultra stuff and everything, there's people in the industry right. that absolutely are aware of this. Yes, and I think that some of these ways, these creative outlets, we'll call them, are their way of expressing that and getting that information out without really endangering themselves or their career. Um, let me just uh, put a, a a statement from Tattoo Guy here, um, just because I think you know it's it's a valid it's a valid uh, thought. He says a uh, uh, pedophile ring is different than using children in rituals. Priests screw kids, and you don't accuse the Catholic Church of being a cult. Um, uh, I'll leave it to you, gentlemen, whoever wants to go first. How would you uh, uh, respond to uh, a statement such as this? Go for it, James. I think <laughs> that sounds a little bit like a uh, it's a black or white statement, and it's not. It's a gray area. Like I said, I wanted to preface all of this by saying that the vast sweeping majority of Masons in the world are good guys. Mm -hmm. So, um, like with you know, not all Catholic priests molest, not all Masons worship the devil. You know, so right. that's that's how it is. Uh, but it, it seems to me that at least the issue that, that a lot of people take with Freemasonry is obviously the. Uh, the roots of it and the people involved in it and some of the things that occur within the the brotherhood that it makes people wonder you know is this a good thing to have you know to have you know these powerful men getting together making some very serious decisions while at the same time indulging in things that you know are would be frowned upon by society if they you know if they had like cameras in there and we could see what was going on um uh, am i pretty pretty close to you know what most people find wrong with freemasonry yeah, well, I mean, like, at the time of um, America's founding and all of that, Freemasonry was obviously something that was very public and celebrated, and it, it kind of walked hand-in-hand hand with the public in a way, and um, it was a very beautiful thing, I think, at, at the period, but since then, it's been corrupted by elements that originated elsewhere. And they've hijacked it, and that's what Frater X is talking about, to answer your earlier question as well, in his secret war inside Freemasonry. That's what it's all about. Wow. And hey, guys, i got to get going. Oh, okay. Thank you, Ron. Oh, for no, Ron. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. No, but we appreciate you uh, uh, joining us tonight. It's uh, as always. Uh, thank you so much, and uh, you know we'll be in touch. Uh, I, uh, you know we still got some some more things to talk about, but I want to thank you for taking the time and joining us for for a bit oh, tonight. No I really problem. appreciate it. I mean, it. I'd stay longer, but I'm at somebody's house right now, and so I have to totally understand. To them. No, that, well, thank you for helping us set all of all of this up. Really, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, we really oh, appreciate pleasure. it, Ron. And we'll be in touch for sure. We'll let you go back to, okay. you, to your thanks. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Ron. Bye, Ron. Bye. Okay, bye-bye.
one of the things that I remember reading, and I don't know if it was like Howard's in or, uh, but it was one of these kind of like, uh, you know, very, very in-depth uh, history books. Um, and they were talking about how, you know, during the, the, the Civil War here in the U.S., the uh, Confederacy uh, and, and uh, you know, and, and, and the Yankees, for that matter, um, when they would engage in battle, if they saw the other, um, you know, the opposing soldier uh, carrying some kind of, you know, Freemason, like the square and compass, like on his coat or something like that or like a necklace that they would literally you know stop shooting at each other so to speak and they kind of like do their little handshake and like walk away um was oh, there's free- there's tons of cases of that like when um the texas army finally overcame the mexican army and the general santa Ana was captured mm-hmm. he gave the distress signal and they let him go oh wow wow that's so this is historically a fact that, that, you know, Freemasons were on both sides, even apparently, even, you know, in, in, uh, um, you know, in a completely different side, which was in Mexico in this case. Um, is that how embedded Freemasonry is in the fabric of our country? I mean, we will never, and I'm not trying to imply that we should get rid of them, but I'm just saying that if you wanted to, you know, eradicate Freemasonry, it would be pretty close to impossible correct absolutely explain to me how albert pike who was found guilty of confederate war crimes and brought up on charges of treason had to flee to canada has a statue erected of him in washington dc why Hmm. well see yeah so (laughs) it's uh boy um and let me ask you something because you know we 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 we've talked about uh, you know this topic for for almost two hours, and I get the vibe that Texas is a very Masonic state. Oh <laughs> Am I yes, correct in that assumption. And why is that? Why Texas? How did did everyone kind of just gravitate to Texas because it was kind of like a uh, a Freemason friendly state, almost like the Utah is to Mormons? Uh, you know what? Why why is that? Um, I'm not well. My family fled there because they were fleeing the burning of Atlanta uh, mm-hmm. when the Civil War was happening. So, um, a lot of people went there to seek um, refuge or amnesty or whatever you want to call it because Texas was a country still at that point, and mm-hmm. you could right. do that. It remained neutral in the Civil War, and um, it's it's always been such a powerhouse of industry and oil money, gas money, all all that kind of stuff, and it's. Um, it's crazy. It's that's all your power players. There is more. I, w- I would say the three. Dallas ranks is the fourth biggest city, but it's really the third now. It's, so you got New York, uh, Los Angeles, and Dallas, Fort Worth, and Dallas um, is really the unofficial headquarters of the Scottish Rite. The D.C. stuff is more the pomp and the ceremony and the mm. the front for it, and make sure they're right there in that political hot seat and all of that. But the true power is in Dallas. Um, now, uh, another question I had, um, because again, I think it's really hard for people that maybe are not familiar with this topic to to grasp some of these things, you know. And I remember uh, a, a long time ago, I was I was uh, talking with a friend of mine, and I had a map of Washington um, D.C. out, 
And I was showing him how the streets, you know, make up like a pentagram and another, uh, you know, part of the map looks like an owl, which a lot of people say is like the owl of uh, Bohemian Grove, et cetera, et cetera. Um, are those streets and is the layout of that city really set up to look like these Masonic slash occult symbols? Well, yes. I mean, uh, designers and city planners had to lay down and do those things. So I think that would be a clue to who those people were. Mm -hmm. And like if you look at a map, most people don't know this, but if you look at a map of the Dallas-Fort Worth metro area, it's a giant phallus. Wow. Perfect shape. Wow, really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to go on Google Maps here in a minute and just make sure that... <laughs> yep. Look, look at the freeway outlines, yes. Wow. <laughs> Well, oh, I thought Genevieve had something. No, I mean, it's it's just really, like I said, it, it, you know, if you tell somebody who's not familiar uh, with, with this particular topic, it all sounds so uh, crazy, right? I mean, we're talking about an organization that's so rooted in our country that they could even, you know, build entire street grids to look like uh, symbols. They're in the... In the highest you know levels of government etc cetera, etc cetera. what is there anything that you know the people can do like what can we do what can we ex be expected to do is this something that we're just a reality that we have to face is that what it is i would say this to both masons and public alike if you think for one moment that these leaders of the grand lodge of any particular state or the Scottish Rite Supreme Council, or any other governmental body of the place, mm -hmm. are nice people? No. I reject that hypothesis entirely. I've been there, I've done it, and you, Mr. Joe Schmo Mason, have not. And you never will. You'll never be invited to that environment, that inner circle, that top of the pyramid, mm -hmm. because you're not good enough for them. That's how they feel, and that's how they view you. You are industry fodder for them. They don't care what you think, what you feel, or what you want. Wow. That and that's coming from uh, an organization that calls itself a, a charity based char <laughs> charitable organization, right? <laughs> well, if ever if an average lodge has about a million bucks on the books, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. why is it that they only donate about on average $10,000 a year to charities? Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, which actually, and I know we're running out of time, so I'm gonna, um, uh, I just want to uh, sneak this last question in here. Who are the Shriners? Because um, it seems like they're kind of like a, a, another branch of Freemasonry. I know here in L.A. we have, you know, the, the uh, Shriners Children's Hospital. And, um, you know, I remember seeing pictures, old pictures of them riding around in go-karts with their little funny hats in parades. Who are the Shriners and how do they play into the whole Freemason thing? Well, it used to be more of the, one of the more elite retirement kind of, so to speak, places of Freemasonry in that you had to be a, a Knight Templar York Rite, 32nd degree Scottish Rite before you could even uh, apply for the shrine. But because the membership was dying out so bad, they redid those rules about, um, I think it was 2007 or 2008, and um, they made it to where now, as long as you're just a, a new Master Mason, you can go straight into the shrine. Oh, wow. Um, and, okay, last question, because, and this, forgive me, this is kind of like a random question, I'm aware, but I figure if anybody would know, it may be you. Um, you know, I I also live in L.A., and I drive around L.A. quite a bit, and there, for, for years, there was a huge um, Scottish Rite Lodge on Wilshire. Uh, yes, heading, it's heading closed. West. 
Yeah, and it's close. Like, what happened? Uh, I remember even <laughs> I went, uh, I met up with Ron at the uh, little theater that it's across the street for a chemtrail conference, uh, I think it, uh, like a year or two ago. And uh, we kind of, we were walking to his uh, hotel room and on the way we decided to stop by and take a few pictures of this, of this huge, I mean, it's it's a pretty fancy looking building. What what happened with it? I mean, did I the Masons just get up and leave? Many. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I think we've seen a couple that oh, have yeah. like a uh, for lease sign. What is that telling us about Freemasonry, at least here in uh, L.A. or Southern California, for that matter? Well, it's saying a couple of things. One, it's um, there. It's indicative of the type of consolidation that they're trying to achieve right now. So those members would have gone to the Valley of Pasadena or the Valley of Long Beach. So that's that's where they went to, mm-hmm. and. The other factor is the Scottish Rite and Freemasonry in general out here on the West Coast just is not that popular. Like, here's a good statistic for you. There are the same amount of Masonic Blue Lodges in the entire state of New Mexico as there are in downtown Dallas. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's it's a much bigger deal, like you said, on the East Coast and in Texas mm-hmm. and all of that. Out here, it's just really not a part. Like, I lived in Phoenix before, and driving around there you'll occasionally come across a little tiny blue lodge but you just don't really see that there wow um and do you i mean uh, obviously again i uh, in my you may not have the the answer to this particular question but what would happen to a, a building such as the one there on wilshire for the scottish right um lodge uh, uh, like it's huge and it has these intricate carvings and uh, you know like I think it's getting back into an element of bloodline with that specific building on Wilshire because it's my understanding that the family that owns Guess Apparel Mm -hmm. bought it. Oh, really? And they want to turn it into their own little private museum. No way. Oh, wow. Yes way. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Frank, I'm going to have to give you the little private tour of Hollywood Boulevard and point out just how Masonic it is. Honestly, we're going to have to set that up because I'm really interested. I am really interested in in doing something like that with you. So we'll definitely be in touch and and maybe we can do something like that because, believe me, um, I'm quite fascinated by it all. And it's always... It always amazes me how much is right under our noses, literally, and we're just, you know, not, not, not in tune with it. Like we, we just don't see it. Um, so you, you know, we, I, I definitely uh, will take you up on that offer uh, because if uh, it, it sounds like if there's anybody that can uh, show us all that is definitely you, mm-hmm. uh, uh, James. Um, and with that, I want to thank you so much for being with us tonight. I mean, this has been honestly one of my favorite shows and. Um, I don't say that a whole lot. Uh, well, thank you. That's a very nice compliment. And, and I want to, um, if it's all right, yeah, uh, yes, put please. to rest a little issue that's been going on and seems to be metastasizing in the chat room. Okay. Um, to the Mason that has tattoos, I suppose. Um, yeah, <laughs> you're sitting there having a knee-jerk reaction defending that place. How dare you, brother? How dare you i did not turn my back on that place they turned their back on me and they did what they did to me i never did anything to them so if you want to talk about our o's they broke those o's i didn't i was not the oath breaker if an oath is a contract they breached the contract so stick that in your pipe and smoke it brother Anyway, James, James Robert Wright, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank and I, I want to thank everybody in the chat uh, for all their questions, comments. Uh, you know, I mean, this is the this is the beauty of this show, in my opinion, the fact that we can uh, come to the table and just put it all out there. 
And, you know, I think ultimately it's, it's everyone's individual decisions to make, uh, uh, actually as to what to make of, of the things that we discuss. And uh, I want to thank you, James, for, for being so gracious with your time and, mm -hmm. and so open with your story and, and your experiences. And tell us one more time, where can people find you, reach you? I'm sure you get a lot of emails and messages from current and former Masons and, uh, and people who are not Masons, they probably just want more information. So where can people get in touch with you? You know, there's actually a great deal of Masons in this world that support me and believe in what I'm doing. They that just don't. Awesome they're not in a position to where they can do it or maybe they feel scared to say anything whatever environment they're in or, or whatever the case may be it's different with each person but but I do have more support than you may realize in that environment because a lot of people would like to see a positive change occur in it and um, so would I and to do that you've got to ask the sickness and I don't think I, I know for a fact it cannot be done from the inside because I tried Mm -hmm. It has to be done from the outside. Wow. It needs a public intervention hand in it to correct it. And that's what I'm pushing for. And so anyway, if um, if you're trying to look me up and find me, you can look me up on Facebook under James Robert Wright or on Twitter at J Dallas Texas or on my website, dial M for Mason dot Weebly dot com. And please don't buy my book, Freemasonry's Cult Abuses. If you want it, I'll send you a, the PDF ebook thing for free because I don't want any another dime going into that pedophile publishers. Wow. Um, in my opinion, allegedly, I have to say allegedly. <laughs> right, right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> For legal reasons, allegedly. Yeah. Um, thank you so much. And we're, we're going to post this show on our website, and we'll be sure to include all the links that you have mentioned for people to, to get in touch with you. And I want to thank you so much, James. This has been an amazing show. Um, I hope that we can do it again soon. And, and like I said, if you if your offer stands, I will gladly take you up on it, and I would love for you to show us around all the uh, kind of like Masonic occult places around Hollywood. Yeah, no, it's been it would be an honor. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, James. Thank uh, you. And uh, we'll be in touch, my friend. Thank you so much, both uh, of you. And y'all have a lovely evening. You too. Have you a great too. night. Thank you. Bye. Wow. Genevieve, we only got a few minutes before we go, but give me, give me, some, give me something well, I don't think while I, I catch <laughs> my breath. I don't think I can add much more, but I mean, all I can say is if I was in a situation like that, I, I don't know if I would have the guts to go ahead with it because I mean like everything else aside yes it's scary it is it is like when you take that first step you know it's either all or nothing you either go with it or you don't say anything in the first place because mm -hmm. it's dangerous you know yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it takes a lot of courage, and uh, and of course, I want to thank everyone that tuned in because you know they're they're the ones that we uh, make this show for. Yeah, and we no, hope everybody I, had a had a good time. It's been interactive um, um, chat session with everyone. There. Yeah, definitely, and that's what that's what we enjoy. So again, big thanks uh, to James and obviously Ron Patton of Paranoia Magazine. Uh, definitely check him out. We're going to be posting this show uh, later on in the week with all the links to Paranoia and obviously yeah, to, I've to James. Yeah, already posted a couple. And um, and yeah, thank you for doing that because I'm sure there's some people that that. Um, I would probably be interested to uh, check that out. Uh, so if you miss any part of it, uh, uh, keep a lookout on our uh, Twitter at WOTR Radio or our website, WOTRRadio.com or a face our Facebook, facebook.com forward slash 
west of the Rockies. And uh, as soon as that post is ready to go, you bet you will see it on there. Um, I want to thank you, Genevieve, for uh, thank you <laughs> for writing this uh, this out with me. It's been it's been intense. Honestly, probably one of the more intense shows that uh, we've we've had. Uh, on here which is great. yeah and honest you know and i think that's what um a couple of people said in in a chat that it's good to have someone who's just outright honest <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely so you know we're gonna go out with uh, a little uh, porcupine tree because why not right <laughs> it's i feel <laughs> like that's the kind of vibe you want to you want to take home or to go to bed with so definitely enjoy this one take care be safe god bless don't do anything too crazy we want to see you back next weekend uh in the meantime enjoy this song don't forget um wtr radio on twitter wtr radio.com is the website west of the rockies is the facebook tell your friends tell your loved ones tell anybody that will listen to you <laughs> to check it out genevieve you on twitter jaime roque on twitter I, myself, Engineer Frank on Twitter. Take care, guys. Have a great night. Enjoy this one. We'll see you next week. And here we go. Independent FM. New York. London. Philadelphia. Japan. Chicago. Paris. San Francisco. Tijuana. Los Angeles, California. The Independent FM. Indie Radio. Live from Swing House Studios in Hollywood. This is the all-new Independent FM.